Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Is the magical staff of Moses still out there somewhere? And then we take a look at the bizarre conspiracy known as don't get on the ships. Is simply having an EBT card or shopping at Walmart opening you up for alien abduction today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. The snow has brought the war to me. Yesterday, another snowstorm hit Hood River. It actually killed the power, shut the power off. I prefer the term killed the power. That's what snow does. It kills things. So that sucked. I had no heater. Then I had to go to work, and when I came home, the electricity was back on, but the hot water is not... And I have to take a shower. So we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. But that's my problem, not yours. But I appreciate your sympathy. We're going to go ahead and move on to our first story, though. Now, our first story, quite a few episodes back, I don't remember exactly which one, I was talking about the staff of Moses. And I go, I wonder what ever happened to that thing. And YouTube user Alex F reached out to me and says, oh, it's actually kind of well known where it's at. But let's take a quick look here. Now, what the staff of Moses is, I had to do a bunch of research on this. It may actually be two staffs. It's kind of weird. Not even rabbinical scholars can really agree on this. Because I guess there were two staffs. I always thought it was Moses who threw his staff down and it turned into a snake. It was actually his brother Aaron who threw his staff down. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, there's a story in the book of Exodus where the pharaoh's like, hey, your god sucks. I'm the king of magic. I got all these magicians over here. They have all sorts of powers. And he commanded his magicians to sorcerers to throw their staffs down, and they turned into snake. And then Aaron goes, whatever, dude. Throws his staff down, turns into a larger snake, eats the other snakes, turns back into a staff. And I was like, what? So magic is real. Magic actually exists, and people are like, no, 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 no. Only that part was magic. Everything else is not magic. So I was like, what? Like, obviously, those guys' staffs turned to snakes, so they knew magic of some sort. Anyways, so that was Aaron's rod. Now, of course, scholars think that it was just one staff that the brothers were passing back and forth. But this was the same, and we'll accept that for an answer, that there was one staff that, for some reason, he loans to his brother every once in a while to turn into a snake. And he's like, hey, Aaron, you got my uh, you got my staff? And Aaron's like, uh, and there's like a giant snake slithering around the house. He's like, yeah, yeah, give me five minutes. I'll get it ready for you. This is the same staff that Moses hit a rock with and a bunch of water shot out of it when the Israelites were thirsty. Well, they're in the middle of nowhere. It's not like they were just simply parched. There was like a Gatorade stand 200 yards down the road where they're like, no, nah, I'm thirsty now. Like they're in the middle of the desert. And it was the same staff he hit the ground with and parted the Red Sea. One of the weird things was that once the staff blossomed almonds, that's pretty mild compared to bringing about the plagues of Egypt and turning it into a snake. And it's interesting because then there's like this retcon to it. None of this stuff is in the Bible, but there's been this retcon to it that the staff was actually created on the sixth day of creation. 
wasn't mentioned, but he created God created this staff when he was creating the world. That's how powerful it is. He like he went out of his way to form this staff and at one point, the staff was stuck into the ground, and only someone worthy to lead the Israelites would be able to remove the staff from the ground, i.e. the sword and the stone. So it's interesting how all these legends just continue to spread. I'm sure at some point in world history, something was stuck somewhere, and they go, ah, whoever's strong enough to do that can lead. And there is a very common corollary to that. If you can open a tight jar in a house, you are officially the man of the house, even if you're a woman. If you're strong enough to open a jar of pickles and nobody else can, that puts you in charge. It is your everyday sword in the stone. Now, of course, some people say that the staff was just a normal staff. And other people say that the staff itself was magical. The people who say it was normal said it's just a normal staff. God gave it power. And other people say, no, the staff itself has some sort of mystical quality to it. But what's interesting is we don't really know what happened to the staff after that. There's one of the... one of the Basically, the story ends where when the... First temple is destroyed in Israel. The staff was lost under the rubble of the temple. So we're, we're, that's way, way back in time. Other people say that it was locked in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is another holy relic from the Bible. It's actually like a super weapon. You open it up and all your bad guys die, kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Apparently that is rumored to be in Ethiopia right now. It got smuggled out of Israel all the way to Ethiopia, where it's at, St. Mary of Zion Cathedral, off in this little island. But other people say, and this is kind of where it's registered at, is there is a museum, and this is what Alex F. said, there's a museum in Turkey called Topakapi Palace, and they say that they have the Staff of Moses. Hey, you can visit, you can go look at it. They don't let you handle it, because they're afraid it's going to slither away, but they do, you can look at the staff, supposed Staff of Moses. They also have the Sword of King David, that'd be pretty dope. I'd, I'd wield that. I'd be chasing security guards around with that. They have the pot of Abraham, which I'm assuming is a metal pot and not some dank weed. And then they have a footprint of Muhammad and his tooth that he lost in a battle, all at Topakapi Palace. Now, here's the thing. The tooth and the footprint and the pot and the sword are probably there. But stuff like the Ark of the Covenant and the Staff of Moses, if these things have any power whatsoever, because also the Staff of Moses, I forgot to mention earlier, there was this massive battle going on. If Moses was holding the staff high, the Israelites would win the battle, and he says, oh, my arm's kind of cramping up, and he'd start to lower it, the tides would turn, they'd start losing the battle. So eventually a bunch of his homies had to like help hold his arm up the whole battle so the Israelites would win. So it's had some combat power, combat-based modifiers as well. If these artifacts are still around, they're not in Turkey or Ethiopia. I could almost guarantee that. There may be copies of them in those places. But any government worth their salt, if these things actually had any sort of power whatsoever, even if it was just symbolic power, any government worth their salt would have those in their possession. And especially something that was created on the sixth day of creation that can do everything from blossom almonds to turn the tide of battle that's in a U.S. warehouse somewhere. Wouldn't that be interesting if we, if it turned out, here's my conspiracy theory that I just made up. Every U.S. general in World War II carried a little sliver of the staff in his pocket. He put, got a splinter in his finger, and they're like, okay, General MacArthur, once you go do this military battle, just hold your hand up. Everyone will think you're just waving at the troops, but you're holding up a splinter of the staff of Moses in your finger. And then they all die of snake, internal snake bites. They're like, oh, I should have thought about that other part of the story. If these objects are real, I think the U.S. government has them locked away somewhere. And there's facsimiles in these other locations. And if they are super weapons, as has been purported, 
We definitely have them. And they're probably not locked away somewhere. They've probably been used. There's a little conspiracy theory for you. That would be interesting to find battles that mirac... I've always thought, like, there's always these weird coincidences when you read about old-timey battles. And you're like, hmm. If it hadn't been for this factor, or because it was raining that day, or something like that, the U.S. won that battle. Maybe they're using some divine super weapon, or some divine tool. Who knows? Or maybe it's just fate and luck and good strategic planning, but... So thanks, Alex, for reaching out and letting me know where that artifact supposedly is, but I doubt it's there. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is a fascinating look at a website that gives us a very clear command. A very, very clear command. Do not get on the ships. Now, this this website is written by a couple, this man and this woman, and they talk about they've been researching this for years and years and years and years. So I want you to imagine two people in a cluttered apartment, not far from mine, but mine is cluttered with happy things like movies and clothes and toys that I've got collected over the years. Not like a big toy collector, but you know, just like little knickknack. I think I have a Ninja Turtle from each line, just one. You know, it's a happy clutter. This is a coming, this website's coming from a clutter of cigarette butts and discarded Mountain Dew cans everywhere. Detrius surrounding the place. When you come to visit these people's houses, I'm, this is actually probably bordering on slander, so I'll, call, I'll stop talking about how trashy their apartment is. But madness. A, an apartment surrounded in madness. Do not get on the UFOs. All of their information comes from three different sources. One, something they call a biofeedback machine or biofeedback meter. I'm assuming it's something that tests the electro electromagnetic or whatever some made up thing in the human body probably close to an oddity machine that the scientologists use so they get it from that they do these readings on people and they're like oh that's interesting your pulse is in morse code for do not get on the ships so they use the biofeedback meter they use people's dreams the number one authority of all things true in the world what people dream that's a huge source of information for them but both of those The made-up technology and the sparks in our brain while we're unconscious are far more credible than the other source of information they use. They constantly refer to the movie Jupiter Ascending. The movie that nobody saw but them. I'm sure half the ticket sales for that movie came from these people watching them over and over again. They're still petitioning for the director's cut of Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter's Ascending, I didn't see it. It starred Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis. It turns out that Earth is a factory farm, and aliens have created factory farms all over the galaxy. And once the population is ripe, they come there and they throw everyone in a meat grinder and eat them or drink them, or they live longer because they're drinking our juices or something. Here's a little thing. This is the thing. I get it. Science fiction is a view into our future or the horrible implications of technology gone mad or both. But... These people could have easily walked into Transformers 5 and created a conspiracy theory that, yes, Merlin did discover Transformers on Earth. Because that's really how ridiculous this is. And and they use the argument of predictive programming. So there's this stupid rule out there, stupid thing, that somebody came up with that before evil people can do something, they have to tell us they're going to do it. But anyways, they say Jupiter Ascending is part of that. Now, I will give the Illuminati credit If you're going to hide messages for what is in store for the future, 
You should put it in a movie no, you know no one's going to watch, i.e. Jupiter Ascending. You should put it in Jupiter Ascending. You should have put it in Han Solo. You put a lot of predictive programming in that because nobody saw that movie either. So anyways, they believe, they went to see this movie, Jupiter Ascending. They finally crawled out of the garbage of their apartment. They swam through it, all the cruddy old newspapers. They swam through all that. Get out to the movie theater and watch Jupiter Ascending. And they're like, oh my God, this is what is going to happen to us. So those are the three sources. They also use V, the old television show V, which I absolutely love. But they use that as well. But most of the stuff they keep referring back to, they're like, just like in Jupiter Ascending. This part of our story is just like the movie Jupiter Ascending. And again, that if they said the future is going to be a bunch of racetracks, i.e. Speed Racer, people would know that they are just full of, full of nonsense. But nobody saw Jupiter Ascending, so they can't really debate whether or not these guys are accurate. So this is their idea. There are good aliens, and there are bad aliens. That's pretty normal in UFO lore. The bad aliens are going to show up in their spaceships. And they're going to say, do you want to come on our ship? And if you say yes, they eat you. The good aliens will not ask you. And this is, the, this is what they say the difference is. The evil aliens, part of their law, part of their rules. Again, they have rules for some reason. They have to ask you. They have to trick you into coming onto their ship. And then at that time, you're basically filled with fear. You finally see the horrible things that are going to happen to you. The torture. They let you know they're going to eat you. They're going to eat you slowly. And that makes you produce this chemical called adrenochrome in your blood, which apparently makes your blood not only incredibly tasty but also helps the aliens live longer. They got that from Jupiter Ascending, the live longer part. They stay young longer. The good aliens won't do that. They won't ask you. They won't trick you. They'll simply take you. This is a quote they keep using. Yes, there are good extraterrestrials out there, but if they decide to rescue you, they do not need your permission to do so. Which which on Earth we call kidnapping, but... Good extraterrestrials will transport you aboard as quickly as a ship's crew would rescue a drowning man. What's bizarre is that last sentence about the drowning man, they use over and over and over and over in this article. It's kind of weird. It's almost like some sort of... To me, I was like, this article sounds like a conspiracy. That sounds like a trigger word. Sounds like a trigger phrase, because they kept using that same phrase over and over again. They will rescue you like a ship will rescue a drowning man, in the sense that... If you're drowning, a ship doesn't come up alongside you and go, do you want help? Do you want us to help you? Yes, yes. They just rescue you. They throw you out a life preserver. They throw you out a lifesaver. Climb on it. They don't ask and get your permission. They just help you. So that's how they differentiate the two. The evil aliens will show up and say, would you like to come on our ship? Be like, yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to meet an alien. You get on the little walkway. Door shuts behind you. It's darker than you thought it would be. The lights are dim. You start to see aliens crawl out of the corner. Oh no! So, that's the, that's how they differentiate the two. Interesting. Interesting idea. They tell you the if aliens show up, the best place to be is your house. You should have four weeks of food, which isn't a bad idea anyways, but you should have four weeks of food, four weeks of water, 
which would be very heavy, but that's their idea. And the reason why they actually, the reason why you should stay in your house when the aliens show up is very, very simple. Don't know why I didn't think of this during a zombie invasion or anything. The aliens show up. A man's home is his castle. Bam. That's all you need to know. It trumps all technology. Trump's transported technology, laser beams, conventional firearms. A man's home is his castle. That's a universal law. They can't get you in your house, apparently. They also recommend you to put signs up on your front lawn that say, do not get on the ships, to help spread the message for other people to not get on the ships. Now, those signs will probably not be really popular in a Navy town, but I don't think they'd be popular in any town, and if you have a homeowners association, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because if you, if, you, if you were walking by a house in your neighborhood and you saw a sign that said, do not get on the ships, you're going to think the people who live there are crazy. And as you, every time you pass their house, you hear Jupiter ascending playing at top volume. Now, again, the people who believe in this stuff don't really care if people think they're crazy. It's part and parcel of their belief. They think that being thought of being crazy is persecution. So they're totally fine with it. But again, I don't recommend it. I guess I should have said this in the beginning, but again, it probably don't have to say it. Don't do any of this. Don't put a sign out on your front lawn saying do not get on the ships. They also recommend, and they took a while for them to clarify this. Early on in the article, they said, wrap your cell phone in metal. And I'm thinking, who wrote this, Superman? Like, who has the ability to wrap metal? Tin, maybe, with pliers? But am I supposed to use iron? Am I supposed to use steel? About, I don't know, 20 minutes reading in the article, they specify aluminum foil, which I guess is a metal. But you might want to have said that earlier before people went out to Home Depot and got a giant metal crunching machine to wrap their cell phone in. It would actually be easier than wrapping your cell phone in metal to just throw your cell phone away. But they say wrap your cell phone in in aluminum foil, and then about, I don't know, five, ten minutes after reading that, they started calling it metal again. So, guys, come on. got to be specific. Our lives are at stake. They say that. This was probably my favorite part. This, this This was a revelation to me. I don't know if you knew this, but this was a heading. This was like a specific part of their article. And trust me, dude, it took me like an hour to read this whole thing. It's massive, but... This was a specific part of their article, headlined, Aliens use carpet and wooden desks just like judges do. So forget all the idea of the stainless steel spaceship. Forget the idea of hover chairs or giant vials of water that they float around in. Nope. They use carpet and wooden desks just like you can go and buy at any retail store. They use them. This comes from a whistleblower named Bill Shonoblin. Comes from this guy, credible name. In the 1970s, he was all of this at the same time. They're very specific. He was, Bill was all of these things at the same time. He was a high-ranking Freemason. Okay. A witch. Hmm. A satanic priest. That's kind of doubling up. That's like when you split your classes on D&D and you want to go as like a rogue and a bard. You're never great at any one of them, but you're kind of good at both of them. I don't know why he would be both a satanic priest and a witch. you got to specify your class if you really want to rank up in your levels and get to the good stuff. High-ranking Freemason, a witch, a satanic priest, and a Catholic priest, all at the same time. I have three jobs and do the podcast, and I'm busy, and I don't deal with aliens or witchcraft, so I can't imagine how busy this guy was. But all at the same time, he was all four of those. And... 
So Bill ends up getting abducted by four aliens. Four aliens. He's abducted by a gr- This was in the 1970s, by the way. So he was abducted, and when he goes to their spaceship, he sees four aliens in a carpeted room behind a desk. Now, now I'm going to assume that he was, quote-unquote, abducted on Halloween, and he was just taken to the Freemason Lodge. But apparently he was abducted into a spaceship that has carpeting. I'm assuming shag. It was the 70s. And a wooden desk. And here who was sitting behind the desk? A gray alien. A Nordic, which are the tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white aliens, which these guys say are evil. Generally, they're considered good aliens that fight the greys, but in this world, they're evil. A gray, a Nordic. A thing with a squid face, which is the first thing I thought of was Plo Koon from Attack of the Clones. The Jedi with the squid face. Or you could really say any species of, not the Mon Calamari, who were the other ones. There were actually squid-faced ones. But anyway, so he's seeing Star... This guy might be George Lucas, but... And we're definitely going to get to that, because he sees a gray, a Nordic, a squid face thing. And then, this here's a quote. One of the aliens in the center was all in black, tall and masked. He looked vaguely like Darth Vader, oddly enough. Not really, exactly. This happened before Star Wars came out. So, either Darth Vader is a real alien. According to this, that there is a real alien out there who looks like Darth Vader. And we're supposed to wrap our cell phones in metal because of this. Because of this guy's testimony. But anyway, so these aliens, Darth Vader, Plo Koon, a gray and a Nordic, abduct him. He's like, oh, you got a nice carpeting. And they're like, silence! This is the reason why they abducted him. He's not a good enough Mason. They said, you need to go down and be a better Mason. They put him back on Earth. That was the end of that story. It had nothing to do with getting abducted on ships. It had nothing to do with Cell phones being wrapped in metal, nothing. They just threw that in there. I don't, and I guess they threw it in there as proof? But that's, that's, re- come on, that's ridiculous. Carpet and desks and Darth Vader all telling someone to be a better Mason and then dropping them off, that's ridiculous. That is a total waste of technology. If their bosses ever found out they used that beam-up technology for something that stupid, I guarantee they're getting fired. Then they have the heading. Yeah, but you didn't know this. We also find out that aliens act like lawyers, not robots. They don't act like they're aliens. They don't act like Darth Vader. So apparently at Roswell, I love this quote. Before they tell this story, this is the quote the website says. The other story is harder to verify, but we find no reason to not believe it. At Roswell, when the ship crashed, okay, there's some aliens who showed up to be like, hey man, sorry our ship crashed, but we need our stuff back. One of the aliens who walked in, gray alien, had a suitcase handcuffed to his wrist. A briefcase. A briefcase that a normal human would carry around. Now, you know how thin a gray's wrists are? It would have to be baby handcuffs. It would have to be tiny little baby handcuffs. It would be the size of a bagel bite handcuff. After that nugget, that the alien walks in with a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist, Quote, that is, he was acting as a regular lawyer. When is the last time, when's the first time you've seen a lawyer with a briefcase handcuffed to him? Outside of Jupiter Ascending. Outside of a movie where a guy's carrying around nuclear codes. I've never seen a lawyer, even in television, having a briefcase handcuffed to him. But apparently that's how regular lawyers work in this world. Did you know, did you know, that you are being programmed to trust aliens? Here's some examples of friendly aliens on television. Tell me which ones don't belong here. Teletubbies. 
No explanation given. There's just a picture of Teletubbies. That's it. My Little Ponies. We do have explanations for the next two. My Little Ponies. Did you know they're aliens? Quote, These almond-shaped creatures do not look anything like ponies, but they make some very colorful aliens. I think they left a key word out there. Now, I'm not sitting here. I just don't want to crap all over these guys because they can't copy edit their manifesto that's supposedly supposed to save your life and your soul from eternal torment. But these almond-eyed shaped creatures, they don't look anything like almonds. They don't look, they look more like ponies than they look like almonds. But anyways, they're aliens. They're getting people to believe in aliens. Dora the Explorer is an alien. Did you know that? Dora. Little Dora. Because her giant eyes and almost non-existent nose and, quote, a monkey friend who was about the right size for a gray alien. Gray aliens are like three or four feet tall. Dora's three or four feet tall. I don't get... We're bordering on Han's territory because they're just looking at pictures of stuff. And what's weird is they then choose... This is the last example of aliens that are friendly to us. Barney the Reptilian. No, there's just a picture of him, and it says Barney the Reptilian. No telling me why. And no one watches that show anymore either. It's so funny. Nobody watches that show. But let's get into the real stuff. Now, they believe that simply by... So the aliens have to ask you to board on their ship. You have all this predictive programming on. Jupiter Senny was the number one film 12 months in a row. Everyone in America, everyone in the world saw it at least five times. Everyone watches My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic. Everyone's a huge Dora the Explorer fan. We can't get away. We love this stuff so much. All of our lawyers have handcuffs attached to their briefcases. It is a truly wonderful world that the alien overlords have created for us. But they do have to ask for our permission to come onto the ship. Now, they do. There is a caveat to that. If you have an EBT card, which is a food card, which is basically food stamps in America, if you have an EBT card, you've actually signed away your rights to say, no, I don't want to get on the ship. If you have an EBT card, it's too late. You get food stamps from the government, actually in the fine print, you are now selling your soul to the aliens. Maybe. Because even these guys say, we don't know if that's true. Like, it might be true. Then why are you even saying it? Why are you even throwing it out there? Saying, ah, we, it might be in the fine print. I don't know. A lot of stuff might be in a lot of fine print. I may go to get my car serviced at Jiffy Lube and I don't look at the little alien clause at the bottom saying, by authorizing us to do these repairs, you will get on the ship. So I'm like, what? What's this about? And they're like, ah, just sign it. You have EBT? Yeah, well, you already signed it. It's fine. I mean, like, you should know. This is life or death, guys. You should know whether or not me having food stamps will make me get abducted by aliens. But now we get into the dreams. And this is an interesting place to end this at. Because I got a, I got a humdinger for you. If you guys are just like, hey, he's reading off a crazy website. This is kind of wacky. The story gets weird in the end. It's really weird. There's dreams of people going to Walmart. A lot of dreams about Walmart, oddly enough. Dreams about people going to Walmart and not coming out. These are dreams that people have submitted to them. Dreams of people going into Walmart and never coming out. Long lines outside of Walmart. There's troops surrounding it. You're in like a huge queue, not like the letter Q, but a line, and you go in to get your rations for the day and you don't come out. Another person had a dream that people would go into Walmart, You would. this guy was dreaming, he was standing outside of Walmart, and every time someone went into Walmart, two guys as big as sumo wrestlers 
grabbed him, and carried him away. I think that's just your average day at Walmart, honestly. But apparently that means something. But they have a lot of dreams about military control of these places. Of these Walmarts. They're big stations, basically. Dreams of a fake rapture, which is the Christian theory that before the end times comes, the believers, the followers of Christ, are going to be raptured. They're going to be lifted up into the sky and escape all the hell that's going to happen to everybody else. So there's been a lot of dreams of these alien ships coming down and saying, we are here on behalf of God. We're going to take you off of the planet before the tribulation, and you'll be safe. And people getting on the ships and then being eaten. That's been a dream that's been shared with these people. So, what have we learned? Don't watch Jupiter Ascending because it's going to drive you insane or just waste two hours of your life. Wrap your cell phone in metal, preferably steel or iron, but if you can't get that, aluminum foil works as well. Put a sign out on your front yard saying do not get on the ships. Most importantly, do not get on the ships at all. Don't take a tour of them. Don't be tricked into them. Don't follow apples like you're really hungry one day and you see a bunch of apples leading out your front door all the way into a waiting UFO. Don't do that either. Do not get on the ships, and after a while, the ships will leave because, again, they have to trick you, and then you'll be left on a planet that has all the idiots. They're all gone because they got fooled by the ships. So, Jason, you found a crazy website, a lot of craziness in the world, and you found one. So why did you profile this one, other than you just wanted to take the piss out of these guys and talk about how dirty their apartment was? Probably about five years ago now. I remember one day... I I was in Hood River. My mom came up to live with me for a while. And I was sitting in the living room. And my mom comes out of her bedroom. And she goes, I had the weirdest, creepiest dream last night. So I'm going to preface this by saying my mom doesn't believe in any conspiracy stuff. She doesn't believe in any paranormal stuff. No aliens, no Bigfoot, nothing. She's super, super skeptical. But she's a devout Christian. And not like a Bible-thumping Christian. Like, she understands, like, you know, you got to question things and stuff like that. But she's very, she's a devout Christian. She's constantly reading books. She listens to Christian radio and stuff like that, and Christian speakers and stuff like that. But she doesn't believe in anything paranormal, conspiracy, none of that stuff. She doesn't even do true crime. She doesn't listen to the podcast at all. She comes down the stairs. I'm sitting in the living room, and she goes, I had the scariest, creepiest dream last night. It was super weird. And I go, what was it about? And she goes... I wake up one morning, and the moon has a symbol on it. Like, you could see this symbol carved into the moon. And I go, do you remember what it looked like? She goes, I do. She goes, I don't think I could draw it, but it was just an odd symbol on the moon. And then these alien ships approached Earth. And the aliens were very friendly. Very friendly aliens. And they told us that the rapture was coming. And that they were here to save us. Before the tribulation started. So we packed up all of our things. We got on the ship. She goes, I remember when we walked onto the ship. Around the ship, like the it was a traditional UFO, so it was a circle. And inside the ship were all of these like steel beds placed against the wall. So they're like upright. So like you would like lean back against them and they would strap you down for the flight. They didn't have seats. They just had like these metal slabs all along. And she goes, I started to get nervous, but the aliens were... And they were typical gray aliens. 
she described it as that. I don't think she knows she knew the term gray aliens, but I think she was talking about the aliens from the X. She's like they were from the X Files type aliens. She goes, they were very polite, and we're getting on the ship. And I remember getting on the ship and getting really nervous, and everyone else was super happy to be there. And she goes, I saw a couple of the metal slabs that people were leaning against and getting strapped onto for the flight. Some of them were covered in plastic, like kind of covered in like a dark, thick plastic, so you couldn't see what was under them. And she goes, and I noticed one or two of them had some blood on them. And I started to get really nervous, and I wanted to get off the ship, and the aliens were like, no, 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 everything's fine. Just here, go ahead and stand against this wall. You'll be totally fine. Don't worry about it. And they strapped her in. And she goes, then I knew that this wasn't the rapture. Then I knew that I was tricked to get on this ship. Don't get on the ships. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.